So hello, everyone. Uh, it is an absolute pleasure to have you join us. Um, my name is Dr. Brennan Jacoby, a philosopher and the founder of Philosophy at Work. And I'm joined by Ben Wilberforce Ritchie. Hi, Ben. Hello, Brennan. Lovely to be here. It's great to, great to get to do this with you. So everyone, we're having a thoughtful conversation about time. And the reason we're doing this is because a lot of the resources that Philosophy at Work uh, puts together to help businesses think really well are things that we realized uh, you have to use your eyes for. Um, so we put out things that maybe you're going to read through and then do something with or, um, or watch maybe sometimes. But we thought actually on this topic of time, it's quite nice maybe to have a, a stroll while listening to some ideas about time. Um, and so we're doing something that's audio only. That said, we are going to actually record the video of this um, because we're going to be some of the some of the processes that we're going to use as we think about time today are things that are going to be mapping techniques. And so we're going to record that so that if you are interested, you'll be able to, to check in and, and see what was actually visually done as well. But I think the main point is we want to be um, having a thoughtful conversation about time um, that is hopefully useful and interesting to help us think a little bit differently about time and also bring in some, some different um, practical things that, that might come off the other side. Um, but the approach that we take is a sort of short and sharp conversation where we'll explore the meaning of time from a, a lot of different schools of thought and uh, see where we end up. So I hope that sounds good to you and it's great to have you along for the conversation. Um, so Ben, how are you doing today? Very good, thank you. I think when we're discussing the topic of time, we've already mentioned that we live in a world where there's a lot of expectation. And so putting time aside to do something like this, hold a conversation and capture a few of the learnings, I'm really excited about. And I think we've all been in that scenario where you've just had a chat with a mate, family member, friend, and gone, I wish we'd recorded that because there were some really nice things that were said. And I hope that's what we do today. Yeah. Brilliant. I also hope it's recording. Yes. <laughs> just to say, um, I hope we have a record of it. But, um, but yeah, brilliant. And so just to let everyone know, the, the approach that we're going to take is one that, that um, Ben and I use a lot in the sessions that we run uh, with teams and businesses as philosophy at work. Um, it's a neural mapping technique. And uh, the beauty of it is that you can start with any concept. Today, we'll be starting with the concept of time. Um, and you, you sort of write it down on a page and then see what what pops into mind for you. Um, we use this a lot in our self-awareness workshops, our curiosity workshops. Um, and the reason we like it there is because it helps people sort of think differently about a topic. Um, so we thought today, as we're having this, this conversation about time, we would do one of those together. A lot of times you can do it on your own to explore your own thinking about a topic, but you can also do it with others. You know, Teams will sometimes do one of these up on the wall um, or on a a sort of digital platform as well on a canvas if they're they're trying to explore what is this what is our purpose or our I, our uh, our values mean to us so we're gonna we're gonna use the neural mapping technique we'll allow it to guide us as we have the conversation about time um, and if this is a new technique to you then you can also head over to philosophyatwork.co.uk and on the resource uh, page there at the website we've got a video that's introducing neural mapping as a technique um, so do have a look at that if it's a new technique. But otherwise, I'm going to start um, by just writing the word time in the middle of a page and then asking you, Ben, when I when I say time, what comes to mind for you? 
So initially, focus is the first word that comes to mind. And I think that that is crucial for my concept of it because I'm very aware of my time. And when I feel I've got a task or activity to perform, I want to be fully focused on it in the moment. Now, part of that comes from that expectation that because of that lack of time, you want to make the most out of it. Mm -hmm. But also I think that Mm -hmm. by focusing on something, it gives me more value. So that's my initial thought process there. If we have time, how do we focus on it to give us the most value from it? Yeah, I love that. So picking up, um, so when, when we say time, often you thought of focus, you thought of making the most of time. And I think those are, to be honest, that's, that's some of the places my brain goes as well. And I think that's really probably common for uh, across people, especially when we're thinking about time at work, it's, you know, um, how do I get this done in an allotted amount of time? How do I make the most of the time that I have? Um, And sort of blowing that out, just if I'll, I could just add one other thing to the map before yeah, we yeah. maybe drill down further, it, it, it sort of comes off the side of it, but making the most of time makes me think of death. <laughs> if yes. I, maybe, I, not to get too dark too quickly, but um, I was thinking this morning, I think if, if death didn't exist, I feel like time would feel less important. But part of the reason yeah. that it seems like we need to make, be wise with our time or make the most of our time is this implicit expectation that we've only got so much of it you know and that's true of life in general and the concept of death but it's also true of i suppose uh you know we've only got so much time for this conversation we've only got so much time for this project or um we've only got so you know i'm I'm a parent we've only got so much time before um the kids sort of uh, stop wanting to spend time with us you know Um, these sorts of things so death comes to mind for me and I feel like this idea you've introduced of making the most of time is really significant. So maybe if we dw- drill down into that, um, what do you think is a good use of time? Like what, what, what does it mean to make the most of time? <laughs> well, I think if we look at some of the philosophers in history, uh, two ancient Greek philosophers like Epicurus and Marcus Aurelius, okay, they would yes. have said, focus on the present. And that's really fascinating when we go back to your concept of death there, Brennan, because some major philosophers in the past said, don't fear death, don't fear the future unknown. And many people back then didn't know what was going to come after death. The reason I say many didn't know, and of course we still don't know today, is that others had a concept of what might be an afterlife, um, a movement to a different world or a higher world. But some philosophers said, don't even think about that, Mm. because what you need to do is make the most of the present right now. And it's something I live by day by day. Sometimes you can get up and you you can be afflicted by something called egocentricity bias, which of course you and I discuss quite a bit. That concept that your challenge in the moment is the most important challenge in the world. And sometimes if you go for a walk, walk down your street, and you can all do this tomorrow or even today, just take a look at the trees. We're getting into autumn. The colors are changing. The leaves are dropping. It's a beautiful world out there if you reflect on nature in particular. And that focus on the present can say, that was a valuable use of my time. 
I think I rarely come back from a good long walk and think that was a waste of time. Mm. But my goodness, there are times when I can spend hours working and yeah. think, my goodness, that was a waste of time. What have I done with that? Do you know that that's really interesting? Um, because I think the the sort of critical questioning bit of my brain um, when you said I, I never go out for a walk and think that was a waste of time um, went into going let me let me check that have I ever been yes. for a walk that I thought was a waste of time and I agree with you I you know we both love going for uh, hill walks and, and things yeah um, and I know that you know when you lived up in Scotland that you did it all the time I always got to Wales and do things um, I don't I've never felt like one was a waste of time at the, but at the same time sometimes I go for walks I would say that was a, 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 that was a more enriching one than some yes. of the others and I, I, I think it, this maps back onto time and I, I, so I love that you, you said that focusing on the present because sometimes I think the the walks that feel a bit a bit closer to not a waste of time but like I didn't get the most out of them are times when I'm really almost approaching the walk as a consumer so I'm sort of going with an expectation that today I'm going to go for a hike and with the hope of, you know, processing lots of ideas and getting yes. some new insights because that often happens when I'm walking. And if I, if I just go on the walk and as you say, focus on the present and just, just be on the walk, right. Then yeah. the ideas do come and actually it's quite valuable, but, but the times when I'm like, okay, I've got five hours to walk. Cause I often, if I go, I take sort of the whole day. I've got five hours to walk. I'm, I, what do I want to leave with? You know, it's very sort of transactional. Yeah. And when it becomes transactional, I d it doesn't seem like as good of a use of time. So maybe yeah. the, I wonder if there's something there for us around, you said there's often times at work where it does feel like a waste of time. I wonder if it's not that one is out in the beauty of a mountain and one's in an office or something, but rather that one is not a use of time that is characterized by transaction whereas another one is maybe more. Absolutely. Um, well, your, your term transaction there, I think, is probably very crucial to this. Transaction and, and expectation. If we view every activity as having to have a purpose, then we set ourselves up to feel that some of those purposes haven't been met, that some of those have been less than extraordinary or less than suitable. And then some of the most enjoyable, fulfilling moments I spend in my time are the ones which I don't have an expectation of and I don't view as transactional. And that's when sometimes our best ideas can come in, when your brain is thinking one thing and then something else just flows in. You'll be going on a run or a walk and then instantly you'll think, that's what I needed to know yesterday. And I think that the pressure we place on ourselves, driven by a pressure externally to succeed in work, succeed in your relationships, succeed in your friendships, is, is absolutely crucial. It's fascinating. I listened to an author the other day speak about how a lot of the time the love we show for our relationships, so our partners, for example, husbands, wives, family, is always seen as almost a higher love than the friendships we form. And yet mm. friendships are really crucial. And I think that comes down to, do you view it as transactional? What are you getting out of it? Mm. And, mm. and the point there was, if you view a friendship as 
well, there's nothing to be got out of it. Then where's the value? Whereas mm. that partner you might get kids out of, you might have a home with. So actually, I think we should elevate ourselves from the transactional nature of time and start living in it rather than expecting things from it. Yeah. Yeah, that makes me think of the what I might just add to the the neural map coming off a transaction is that you know time is money saying, right? Yeah. Um, and and also I've um you know I, both of us get uh, subscribed to that new philosopher magazine, right? And one of the yes. the older editions that I pulled off the shelf um this morning, which I love, you know, as a as a shout out to new philosopher, I love them because they curate um, such great perspectives about about really important topics. Um, and lo and behold, a few years ago, there was an edition all about time. And in, <laughs> in, in there, there's a quote from um, Antiphon, the ancient thinker, that says, the most costly outlay is time. Um, and so it's kind of interesting because I was thinking, okay, we're talking about time and we've said that focusing on the present is a positive thing when it comes to living with time or having a good relationship with time. And then that took us into thinking about um, losing that good relationship when time becomes transactional and just trying to get something out of it. And time is money feels, you know, capitalism and time is money feels quite modern to me. Yeah. But then there's Antiphon, this you know, ancient thinker going, time is the most costly outlay. Well, I mean, that's, that sounds pretty um, transactional to me, sort of seeing time as a, you know, in sort of economist kind of speak, budget speak, you know, yeah. um, with an outlay. So that's, it's a, it's an ongoing thing. And, um, it, you know, it's interesting to think about, I wonder how we should therefore think about time itself or think about our relationship to time yeah. to, to put some of this in perspective. So, you know, on the one hand, time can be money, you know, yes. people, people charge for their time. Um, a lot of the the industries that we work with as philosophy at work, um, they're tracking the time they spend on a piece of work. And, um, and it is something that, that can assign value to something that otherwise can feel kind of abstract. So, yeah. so yes, time, time, it's maybe not helpful to say time is just money, but time can be related to money. But then if that gets us into transaction and a transactional kind of focus, I wonder how we get out of it or how, what else we should remember about time to help us um, not lose sight of the other value of friendships or yes. client, you know, client, colleague kind of relationships where, yeah, maybe it's not directly benefiting some, you know, high value kind of price tag project or something, but something else. Um, yeah. What do, you, what do you think about that? What, what, what's the sort of antidote to the transactional <laughs> relationship with time? I think this is a question that the philosopher Tom Hodgkinson has looked at a lot. Ooh, yeah. And I know you and I both very much subscribe to his idler mentality. So yeah. Tom Hodgkinson has set up his idler school of philosophy. The idea being that he says human beings need to be idle more and not give themselves this pressure cooker mentality of you must be doing something. Now, I felt this myself when I'm from London. I've lived in London all my life. I've gone through systems of education which are very pressured and I went and lived in Glasgow for a couple of years away from my friends and my family and everyone I knew and that first weekend I looked at my diary because that's how I understand what I'm going to be doing 
on Saturday and on Sunday and there was nothing in it. Mm. And it suddenly gave me the space to go, you don't have to pack your diary with things in order for your life to be productive or meaningful. Because only when you remove those things, do you then have the ability to say, what does Ben actually want to do? And if Ben wants to do nothing, he can do nothing. And that's as valuable as doing lots of things. Now, of course, I'm not justifying the fact that you don't need to work hard when you when you need to work hard and practice things to get good at them and sit down and do nothing all day and don't exercise but the purpose is that if we fill a hundred percent of our time with stuff we're not going to have enough relaxation to to your point on capitalism brennan one of tom's favorite quotes that i adore is the future is a capitalist construct and i always read that as the fact that yes in today's society you're told to save for your pension save for your mortgage, save for the future, as opposed to just live today. Now, we don't know what tomorrow is going to hold, let alone next year, let alone 10 years time. And there is a balance between being sensible. Yes, definitely worth saving for a rainy day. But should we live by the mantra that only when you retire at the age of 70, can you start actually spending the money you earn and enjoying your life? Me personally, I'd rather live now. Yeah. I, I love it. so many things going on there. If you saw me looking down, um, it's because I've got How to Be Idle by Tom Hodgkinson just here. Yes. And there's, I mean, there's so many pages are dog-eared. Um, I was looking through, because I don't remember where he writes it in here, but the one of the points that stuck with me when I first came across his his philosophy of, of idling, really, was um, his point that these days we've, we've traded out... Um, think the term he uses is sort of relaxation for for um for 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 rest basically so so we 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 do we have a lot of um things that we like to do as hobbies but we don't really have what we could call leisure right so back in the day there was much more of a culture of well on the weekends you might just go out and i don't know um I, I'm sort of thinking of all the impressionist paintings of people in rowboats <laughs> with umbrellas, you know, yeah. it seems like a, a pretty um, idling kind of thing to do that it's right to call a leisure activity. But these days, you know, when I need to um, take a rest, I, I go for a run or a bike ride or, and it's often hard for me not to think about, you know, Oh, can I just go that extra few K's because then I get to explore this other it's oh, it's very sort of um, productive. And, and uh, I think that's an important point, as you say, about not being too, um, you know, actually being idle, being really valuable. You know, we, we, of course, talk a lot in our creative thinking workshops and things about the value of, um, of boredom, of slowing down and having sort of some empty space, because that's where the the new ideas come up. Um, So I might just add that to the, to the map to say, like, some of the value of idling is, um, creative thinking as well now I suppose there I do just critiquing myself I've turned idling into something that provides value right the reason we're idling is is because then we get get our ideas and that's what it's all about being productive yeah. so um I, I I think it's 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 interesting to notice maybe some of the biases and something else you said along those lines that struck me is you know so I've, I've pulled all the books off my shelves that yeah. I think are um, something about time and I've got you know um, Shorter by Alex Sejong Kimpeng about 
working four day weeks and less less hours. Um, the time to think by Nancy Klein about how we make space to think. Um, but but a couple that that there's a theme when I look at some of the titles next to me here about future. And so, you know, you yeah. saying that future is this capitalist concept. I've got the age of AI and our future, yeah. um, which was interestingly co-authored by um, Henry Kissinger, Eric Schmidt and Daniel Hutnacher. So we've got, you know, Kissinger, right? This sort of classic political economist figure. And then we've got people who used to be, you know, top, top, top sort of roles at Google and things coming together to say, let's talk about our future. Um, also, beautifully in my stack is future proof your career by um by uh co-authored by nima pasha who's one of our colleagues yeah. great work. and that's an interesting idea so if we talk about you know as you're saying future being a capitalist concept and um it can on the one hand have that sort of lay away your your fun for a later date but then i also think about sort of you know, Nima's title, Future Proof Your Career, Prepare for the Future. Um, that's kind of interesting. And where, where, you know, I know this isn't what Nima writes about in, in her book. I think she's, she does a really great job in that text about highlighting the kind of skills we need for where the future works going and things. But what it did make me think of that I'm going to add to the, um, to the map uh, just off of, I'm going to add future as another term here, um, is the way in which psychologists talk about um, a relationship between future and anxiety. So, you know, yeah. they'll say anger is an emotion that's related to the past because we tend to be angry about what's happened. Um, it's hard to be angry about something that hasn't happened yet. Yes. <laughs> uh, and, but what, but the sort of difficult emotions like anxiety and stress are about things that might happen or have not yet happened. They're fu future focused. And then the help is often, if you don't want to be anxious or angry, try to try to just deal with what's in the present, you know, because yeah. you can be active in the present. We can't, we can't sort of actually step back into the past or step into the future and, and exercise our agency, but we can be active in the present. And so that's the sort of the help. And it made me think, um, if we talk about future a little bit more, um, the impact of the concept of future on us. Yes. And what we can do to have a better relationship with it. Um, so I think on that yeah. point, I, I wanted to raise the film About Time by Richard Curtis. Oh, yeah. Have you come across that film, Brennan? I know that I haven't seen it, but I know it's that. well worth watching. And it's a typical Richard Curtis film in that it is humorous. It's meaningful. It deals with brilliant philosophical concepts. But the key here is the idea that a family has the ability to time travel. And the one of the main characters gets this ability and then meets a wonderful woman and then misses his chance to talk to her and get her number. So goes back in time and gets it. So, OK, wow, there's some brilliant positives you can get in going back in time. But then if you go back in time, you can sometimes change things for the worse. And the film ends, in effect, by the fact that and it has the brilliant actor Bill Nighy in it, mm. the, the learning that the way you want to live life is as if you've already lived it 10 or so times and you're you're absolutely understanding that that one moment is of the most value you need to so that by the end of this film 
although you can time travel back in time and change things, you actually don't need to or don't want to because you love where you currently are. You really appreciate that moment and you're aware of it. So I think one thing we can all do is in the in those moments, just consider what you would do if you were given the chance again. So an example is when you go into a coffee shop and London's very bad for this, you'll go in and you'll say, hi, can I just have a latte? And you'll get your latte and you'll go. Whereas actually, if you pause for a moment and say, hi, how are you? And the individual behind the counter might pause and smile and say, I'm good, thank you. How are you? And you might have an interaction. And if you can leave that coffee shop with the person behind the counter smiling at your interaction, I feel you've made the most of that time by reflecting on what you should or shouldn't do if you were to redo it again. Mm. I love that. So the the idea of pausing, yeah, thinking about actually... How do I make it circles right back to actually where we what we said a few minutes ago, making the most of time, <clears throat> yeah. you know, in order to do that um, requires some pausing and going. And and I think it, it actually maps on to what we were saying about transaction, you know, the going in, I'll yeah. just have a latte, thanks. And then taking off, you know, there's a time and place for that. Um, yeah. There's an interesting saying, um, <laughs> but there there is a, a, a that can be appropriate to go in, just get the coffee and go. But you're right. If we want to make more of our time and feel like we are living it well, spending it well, you could say, another interesting saying, um, then, yeah, pausing and going, well, hang on. What is what is really important right now? I, I, you know, and to your example, I think implicit in it is that relationships are important. Yes. Um, connecting with people is important. Um, but also, I think it's a helpful it's a healthy, I guess, but also I think helpful way of thinking about time to, to, to use our relationship with time, to use this conversation, to use like ideas and sayings about time to prompt us to check our values. Because if we have to say, okay, I'm going to die someday. I therefore only have so much time. I want yep. to use it well. Um, what does it mean to use it well? Well, suddenly that pushes us pretty quickly onto what our values are and what we value. Yes. Um, and, and I don't think that means we're necessarily coming back in a capitalist consumer way. What do I value in that in that sense of of adding value? Um, but rather, what's what's important and what do I think does bring meaning? And, you know, I don't think we can answer that for other people. But um, but if any time we're in a queue or feeling pressed for time, it makes us think, OK, what is driving my behavior right now? What is really important? Yes, um, that's probably a good move. Well, meaning that you've mentioned a couple of times there, Brennan, is a concept that we all discuss and think about every day, but we don't actually delve into what does meaning mean? And if we're going to define meaning as an awareness of what can be done in a given situation, what can you actually influence? What can you genuinely be anxious about or scared about? Because, of course, our whole conversation is not to say that you should never be anxious, should never be angry. These are just natural emotions, but it's more around targeting that appropriately. And if we say we've got to give time meaningful, uh, we've got to have meaningful time here, then we've got to understand how we make the most of the situation that we're in right now. Mm. If you're in a restaurant with your friends and you're having a conversation, is it really a good use of time to think, well, I'll just quickly go on Instagram. I'll just quickly do this message. I'll take this phone call because you might think, but I'm getting so much done now. Multitasking. We haven't covered that topic. Mm, gosh, yeah. The, the idea that 
doing packing more into that moment and being really efficient perhaps goes against the idea of the meaning we've just discussed yeah yeah i mean there's so many things you know even just practically speaking there's evidence to suggest that we get less done when we yes. try to multitask yeah um it's not actually effective um and you know interestingly i i, I wonder what the motivation is you know sometimes I, I i love the the sort of vibe of feeling like i'm juggling stuff and i'm yeah. sort of you know um going over here doing this over here you know it feels like uh i sort of love the hustle right yeah um but when i think back on a day that's very hustly um i can't remember a lot of it for one thing um and also i don't think it's so meaningful so there's something interesting there about the value of of the juggle the value of how we spend time and and how we're being maybe invited to spend time these days as well there's more and more apps and tools that enable us to multitask um which are you know have a place again but um but i wonder how they're changing our relationship with time that might be an interesting thing yeah absolutely so Lycurgus, who was an ancient Spartan, who very famously came up with what we now see as the Spartan mentality, which was focus on well-being, physical health, actually a huge focus on music and the mm, arts yeah. as well. Now, it was worth being aware that the Spartan system had a lot of slavery. So it was built on the fact that the Spartiates, the actual Spartans, didn't have to grow food and do the other tasks the slaves did. But the concept was that actually by giving the Spartans more time and not doing those tasks. Now, if I relate that to modern day, we have robots that we're potentially going to have doing those transactional activities. Now, in Lycurgus's Spartan regime, he didn't then say, pack the Spartans with lots of other stuff. He said, no, 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 remove those tasks to give the Spartans more time to do the things that actually matter. So I think our current society's got itself into a slight muddle here, and we could learn something from the past. If we do look at those books you've mentioned there, Brennan, with the future of AI, the future of autonomy, the worry around what will people do if manufacturing jobs become done by automated machines? Well, actually, what do we not get enough time to do at the moment, such as read, write, listen and play music, keep ourselves fit? How many people aren't healthy because they say they haven't got the time to fit in that exercise regime they've always wanted to do so i would say refocus it and mm. make sure that we don't suddenly pack ourselves with more things purely because we've got the technology to do that but we give tasks to technology and allow us to do the human things like leisure like art like culture that is always seen as perhaps second rate to financial gain yeah yeah i love it i, I think that the thing that comes to my mind as you share that is, is often people will say, well, you know, we've got all these time saving yes. devices now, where's all the time going, you know? <laughs> um, but, uh, but it's, it's some of it's just, you expand and contract, you know, to what the, the time you think you have. And some of it has gone into sort of scrolling and things like that, but also some of it has gone into just, well, uh, you know, I, I'm probably just trying to do more. So I think that's a really nice um, sort of Spartan chiropractic reset, yeah. right? <laughs> to say, no, actually, if you found a way to make some more time, or of course not, sort of the, 
create the sensation of making more time, yeah. then, then um, that doesn't necessarily mean you need to stick something else in there. Use it, use it um, for something that, that feels meaningful. It's not just, okay, now I'm going to do another widget, you know? Yes. It's, well, what, what else is, is going to be more meaningful? Um, you know, pausing, thinking, doing something, you know, enabling yourself to have that conversation uh, with the cafe owner. Something that I've been trying to work on with that regard is I'm sort of, um, I'm not famous for this because no one else knows I do, I do it, but something that to myself I'm famous for <laughs> is um, uh, finishing things right up to the moment. So I'm, yes. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm never late or behind. I always, you know, get things done. But because I'm always trying to fit something more in, if I, if I arrive somewhere early, I'll go, oh, I could now do this other thing. Or if some time opens up, oh, well, that, therefore I'll do this other thing before I leave. And then I'm always arriving just in the nick of time. And that's... Um, that's not helpful. And so, you know, I'm trying to go, you know, yesterday I finished something ahead of time and I thought, now I could do something else before I, I get in the car and drive to my next appointment or something. But no, I'm actually gonna just drive there and, and arrive early, yes. um, which is another interesting concept. But so <laughs> I guess, I, I, I think we probably need to bring the conversation into land. And yeah. uh, I think my sort of takeaway is all the different places we've been, um, I think I hope it's it's beneficial because of taking the time to think about our relationship to time is really helpful. So for me personally to go, oh gosh, yeah, actually, in my relationship with time, I often maybe try to pack too much in. So what might it do if I just fight that urge and I notice a bit more? Um, and again, not and again notice the temptation for me to go oh what might that give me what might that how might that help me be productive to know just to sort of notice what's going on um is interesting um final thoughts from you as well yeah absolutely i think i'll just pick up on that one of the last comments you made there which is trying to make time as opposed to make the most of time and that would be what i would say our conversation has come to is consider what you find meaningful consider why you may not do it as much as you wish to, and then just find ways to increase that and focus on what matters. Because that to me is what is the purpose of time, making the most of every second you have right now, because we just don't know what the future holds. Love it. That is brilliant. Um, so everyone, any, anyone and everyone that's listening, if um, I hope you did find this conversation helpful, um, not because I suppose our own perspectives are useful, but um, maybe just as prompts for you to do your own thinking. I think that's something that, that we both really care about and are trying to do with philosophy at work is to help people in businesses uh, think well themselves and think their best. Um, so I hope that it's been a useful sort of stroll through um, the philosophy of time and that it sparks some good things for you. And um, yeah, if you, uh, if you want to look again at that technique of neural mapping that we used, so if you're digesting this just audio only, then all along the way, I was mapping the conversation down and, and doing one of those neural maps. Um, and if you wanna, wanna see that, we're hoping to be able to make that available um, down the line. But also if you're interested in the uh, technique of neural mapping that we use, then head over to uh, www.philosophyatwork.co.uk uh, forward slash resources, or just go to the website and look at the resource tab and, um, and you'll find that video <clears throat> that's introducing that technique there. Um, ben, if people want to reach out to you about some of the perspectives you shared or just get to know more about 
um, maybe what you're doing with philosophy work and what you're doing more broadly, then um, where can they find you maybe on, on social and different things like that? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at bdwilberforce, or you can email me at bwilberforcerichie at gmail.com, or go straight through Philosophy at Work as well, and Brennan's Information Centre can pass on any details. Perfect. Um, I love the idea of having command of a whole information centre. Yes, I know. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, and, and anyone, if, if, um, if you want to reach out um, to me directly as well, I'm also on LinkedIn, just at Dr. underscore Brennan underscore Jacoby, um, or uh, directly through the website also. Thank you so much and have a great rest of your day. Enjoy uh, having a meaningful relationship with time today.